Looking for a hit movie? How about a movie about a hitman who's tired of doing hits for people who hire hitmen? So as a way to hit back, he hits the guys who hired him because contracting out hits is bad. Throw in some hit actors and you have yourselves a movie that's all to hit. Too bad the critics couldn't give a hit about it, but that's okay because we're about to prove to you that Mr. Right is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, great in B, movies. We took a week off because Carrie was feeling a little under the weather, but she's back on the microphone for the, for this week's episode. Carrie, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I, you know, ironically, this movie has always been my go-to when I'm feeling not 100%, let's say. So... It's just perfectly ironic that we had chosen to do this before I got sick. I think it's actually the fault of the movie. It is. It is completely this movie's fault. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm just sitting here like, and I, I can fully attest to this because as the guy who usually has to work all four remote controls in order to get something on the TV for Carrie when she is sick. Um, and yes, there's about four different remotes, which is why she's like, honey, can you, can you put the movie on for me? This is the movie. This is her sick movie. Um, so when you realized, though, that Mr. Wright actually qualified for the show, uh, your initial reaction aside from uh, was very, very sad. Although in uh, in in researching, I am seeing that there's a great difference between the critic and the theatrical release and the reception on Netflix. So I'm sure we'll get to that later. However, if you haven't seen this movie, please, friends, you need to watch it, you especially when you're sick. I don't know. It's something comforting. You sound like one of those clickbait articles on Facebook. Right? You, know, <laughs> you know, it was a box office bomb, but it's found a second life on Netflix. What movie could it be? <laughs> and then you just click on the comments, say, you know, save yourself a click. It was Mr. Right. Like, but yes, it has kind of found itself a second life on streaming. But before we dive in to Mr. Right, it is time to take this comedy and trailerize it when a woman tells you she's a t-rex run like you're in jurassic park when a professional assassin shows up at your door with a clown nose on run like you're in stephen king's it and when tim roth gets assigned to hunt you down and deal with you Run like someone asked you to watch The Incredible Hulk. Sam Rockwell stars as Francis, but don't call him that, as the Mr. Right to Anna Kendrick's Martha. A girl so lost, she hid in a closet for two days with a lot of booze, only to come out get into a cat fight with an actual cat and hook up with some random at a convenience store. Modern dating at its finest. You'd be wrong to miss out on Mr. Right. Right <laughs> 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 uh, 
true story about the cat fight. There, there, there is with cat ears, no doubt. I feel like that's the most spoilery trailerized that we've kind of done, um, and kind of given away the plot, or at least the setup for everything. Well, there you go. We have nothing more to say. Uh, it's like Sony did the trailer. I, I, I don't know. I don't Fastest. Know. It's oh. not that bad ever. <laughs> there you go. The movie's fun. Thank you. Good night. No. Um. So this movie stars Anna Kendrick. Sam Rockwell, Tim Roth, Anson Mount, the trio of letters that is RZA, James Ranson, and Michael Eklund. Uh, it was directed by, and, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm going to apologize if I ever screw up a name, because I'm pretty sure if I'm about to screw up a name, it's this one here. It was directed by Paco Cabezas. He has only directed one movie since this movie. And that was 2019's Adios. But he has directed shows for Penny Dreadful, Deadly Class, uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and Fear the Walking Dead. So so Paco Paco's good at directing. Paco has a really, really good filmography here. Um, it was written by Max Landis. Yes, the son of John Landis, um, who also wrote uh, American Ultra and Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, at least the the, the screenplay of it. Uh, The book, of course, was written by Douglas Adams. The funny thing is, those two, like if you actually go in and do like a deep dive, American Ultra, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and this movie, Mr. Right, um, could be argued that they're actually in the same uh, cinematic universe. It's kind of like the the red apple cigarettes rule of every single Quentin Tarantino film. Um, he also wrote uh, the screenplay for uh, uh, Victor Frankenstein. This film, as far as the budget goes, had an eight million dollar budget now this is where we have to uh lower our voice and speak in our frowny tone because it made less than one million dollars at the theater less than one million it made less than fifty thousand dollars domestically when it debuted on the North American box office charts. It debuted at 53rd. 53rd. Now, there is a huge asterisk on this one because when it debuted, it only debuted on 35 screens. That's it. That is it. Like a big budget you know, comedy film will probably come out on about 2,000 screens. This debuted 35 screens. That's it. That's it. So that fifty thousand dollars is you know broken up over only thirty five screens. So that's actually not that bad. What surprised me though was where this because it made less than a million in North America. What surprised me was where this movie made its money because it, like I said, it was an eight million or sorry one uh, just under a million worldwide. The United Arab Emirates was where this movie made the most money. I am, I'm not going to lie, I am really, really surprised about that. Cool thing is, budget be damned, uh, obviously this film did have its, its, its likes because it was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards that year. Uh, it was nominated for Choice, uh, Choice Movie Comedy, and Anna Kendrick was nominated for Choice Movie Actress in a Comedy. So, you know, those who liked it, seemed to like it however the critics 
did not. Now, this was, you know, this is kind of like one of those borderline movies because the tomatometer on this one uh, is only a 44% with an audience score of 56. And over on Metacritic, it has a meta score of 52. So this is kind of one of the, uh, the better rated films, but yet still qualifies as far as our our criteria for what you know constitutes a, a movie that qualifies for this show um 44 though to you carrie is that too low for this or is this just one of the things where it's like people were just like i i didn't watch it and fifty thousand domestically says people didn't watch it there's so much to unpack here i can only guess that maybe the critics went into it expecting something different and I don't know, maybe it was the light tone or the quote unquote chaos from start to finish, um, which, you know, was something that drew Anna Kendrick to the project. I mean, she absolutely loved that her character, Martha, was such a psycho. And um, and I mean, the pairing, right? Kendrick and Rockwell were just brilliant. Like, I actually want to see if you've ever seen a pairing on a movie that you want to see, you know, transpire in real life. I would love to see them as a couple. Like, I just think (laughs) they are the cutest. Um, They're both quirky and fun and I just love them. And, you know, it left me wanting more um, of this movie and how many times have I watched it? I don't know, countlessly. Um, So I keep coming back to it. I, I think... As a critic's standpoint, maybe there was just too much. Maybe it was the R rating on something that should have been a rom-com. And again, somewhere along the way, the message got twisted. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love it so much that I personally cannot find a justifiable reason for it to be sitting so low. And granted, it's only 5% less than 50, but still... Okay, six. Math is tough. Math is hard. Um, <laughs> like, I I don't know. I love the movie. Um, and I am here to defend it. When you see certain actors and actresses on a bill, you, you kind of have a mental image going into it before you even see the trailer of, you know, what to expect from their performance. And you, you look at Anna Kendrick and, you know, movies that came out around the time, you know, you're looking at maybe Pitch Perfect. You're looking at more of those, you know, quirkier comedy films. And, you know, like you said, this one's got an R rating. And I'm not saying that Pitch Perfect was, you know, you know, everyone's happy and it's like disney-esque because you know there there's a little bit of crass humor in there but i wonder if they just they're like nope she went full psycho in this one and then this of course is also before um a simple favor came out and you know she had explored a little bit more of the darker side of 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 what she can act um but yeah i could see people going in with certain expectations and then having them um completely thrown out the window. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. But let's get to the breakdown of this and see where where this 44% comes from. And we're going to start with Francis himself. Sorry. Sorry, not Francis. We're not going to call him Francis. Sam Rockwell. Um, the funny thing is, when you watch Sam Rockwell on screen, like this is Sam Rockwell to me. Like, it's funny. As I was doing my research, you know, I, I just, you know, randomly Googled the following sentence. Movies Sam Rockwell dances in. Uh, it was a long list. I'm not going to lie. Um, like, if you think about Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, uh, Iron Man 2, Charlie's Angels, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like, he is, you know... <sighs> I, I almost want to say as, as as far as being a nimble life dancing through every scene kind of actor, it's almost like Sam Rockwell is the, you know, uh, American David Tennant, if you will, just because, you know, he he dances into a scene like he just eats up every it's it's such a almost like a magical musical performance when he's on there. Uh, and this to me, you know, is is what I expect out of a Sam Rockwell film. And I'm not saying he can't do serious. I'm not saying he can't do uh, a, a drama, but if, if I'm putting my money down to watch a Sam Rockwell film, knowing it's a Sam Rockwell film, this is the Sam Rockwell I want to see on screen. 1000%. And I absolutely support and applaud the American uh, David Tennant reference because you know what yeah he really is and um you're right that i i tend to look at this movie not that i look at sam rockwell as a hitman however this character of francis is like exactly how i would picture sitting down and having lunch with sam rockwell like i i just i i think the goofiness is there the um the dancing through life, the um, pure joy in every day. Like I, I just, I completely, yeah, I do see this movie being, um, I don't know if he was acting or if he was just, you know, being himself. I, I think, I think that's it. Like he kind of jumped into the role of Francis and rather than acted Francis, he just was Francis. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, the, the, there's this whole thing with Francis uh, where, uh, I, oh, by the way, uh, I would normally say uh, c- caution spoilers, but I was already really spoilery in the trailer eyes. So 
you. Um, so it's out there. <laughs> it's it's out there. The storyline is out there. It's just out there. Um, but it's one of the things where there's this thing where where when Francis goes to actually, just before he's about to kill someone, uh, he puts this like, you know, foam clown nose on. Um, and the whole thing is like, you know, it's, it's kind of fun for everybody then. I don't know that many actors out there that could pull this off and make this seem like a like a rational quirk of character. I get maybe a David Tennant like, could pull that off. It's just, I I now though I I just need to manifest this into reality here. I need Sam Rockwell to to appear in a third season of Staged, and I need David Tennant and Sam Rockwell on a Zoom call, and I would just watch that scene over and over and over again because that would be fantastic but there is there's just something so inherently fun about the the energy that sam rockwell brings not just to this role but to most of the roles that he jumps in um that makes this whole putting the clown nose on before he's about to, to 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 knock you off there um believable well i think too even the charisma Right. The scene in the convenience shop where he meets Martha and a Kendrick's character for the first time. I mean, he makes no bones about it that he's clearly, you know, crunching on her heart and they've just met. And he's like, oh, wait, creepy, <laughs> you know, like just completely self-aware of like the situation and, and how he presents himself. And it's just like you know what, there is just something completely charismatic about his character. And I I think that genuinely is Sam Rockwell. I've never met him, but I could definitely see. Actually, I did watch an interview. Um, Both of the main actors were um, promoting this movie before it launched. And, uh, you know, just to see the dynamic between the two of them. It was fun. They were doing... um, a game um, where it was um, uh, the host was reading tweets um, from Anna Kendrick's social media and Sam Rockwell was supposed to try and guess like the blank (laughs) from the tweet Um, and it was just so much fun to watch like you could just tell that they must have had an absolute blast making this movie that's the thing like i mean anna kendrick really comes across as one of the the better comedic actresses out there today um and sam rockwell is just this you know i'm i I can't even say chameleon but but he can pretty much jump into any role like i'm i'm not gonna lie here um, when it was announced that he was going to play Zaphod Beeblebrox in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, I had concerns because The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, to me, is you know, one of the best works of British comedy out there as far as a book goes, as far as a radio play goes. And I remember watching the BBC series um, when it was when it was on, uh, and I probably just dated myself. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I dated myself. But, you know, if someone's going to jump into a role as, you know, as iconic of the genre as as Zaphod Beeble Brocks is, you really have to like, you know, step up to the role. Um, and he I, I will give Sam Rockwell full credit. He absolutely killed that to, to the point of I think there's only one person 
in Hitchhikers that I would recast. It's not Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell earned, you know, got his spot, earned that spot, and just soaked in all that was Zaphod. And then with with Francis, it's, it's again, it's you have a hitman who has a, a sudden change of conscience, and instead of you know, as, you know, finishing off the assignments or the contracts that he takes, he basically flips it and kills the people who hired him because killing is bad even though he's killing them and it's it's this weird it's this weird moral logic that he's he's taken in order to be able to do this but again his personality makes this believable in a fascinating kind of way his moral code right <laughs> Which it seems very Dexter of him, but you know, uh, way more fun than Dexter, that's for sure. Um, let's move on to Anna Kendrick, Martha. Um, kind of like a, you know, at first was kind of like the manic pixie dream girl of this whole thing. Um, but I, I, I never thought I'd say Anna Kendrick. Like crazy Anna Kendrick is almost like the grounding force for someone in a movie. But crazy Anna Kendrick is the grounding force for Francis in this in a weird kind of way. Um, and, and again, it's one of those things where uh, Anna Kendrick has this ability to go from crazy to serious to romantic to to funny to like she's able to cover all the bases in a way that not a lot of actresses in the genre can pull off. See, I look at it differently. I look at her character and um, her meetup with her Mr. Right as being not grounding, but freeing and almost um, encouraging and, and supporting herself um, and, and her character. Like, because really, um, even by the end of it, she, she let her crazy side go. You know, Mm -hmm. and they were the perfect matchup because they clicked and they connected. Right. Like, I don't think that she was necessarily grounded. I think their relationship was what she needed to thrive. Mm -hmm. Like, just to give you an an idea of the character that that she plays, like the like the movie pretty much opens up uh, with her making a meal for her man. She's going to surprise him and and sit there in like you know one of his shirts and you know like like being all sexy on the couch and waiting for him to come home. And when he does, he's got another woman, and it's like oh 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 oh, and then it just kind of spirals down from here, and you know. The fact that she ends up as you know as manic and crazy in the end as she as she is, um, you you actually see the transition from uh, lost and rudderless to all of a sudden like Francis is her path, and the fact that you actually see uh, like that transition, um, and the funny thing is like. <laughs> Here's one of those those tropes, right? Because you got a movie that's an hour and a half, and then for someone to go from, you know, I'm locked in the closet with a bunch of booze for a couple of days, and this is how I'm dealing with with my sadness and heartache, 
to at the end she's taking out you know mafia hitmen the whole works like how does she get from point a to point b but they smartly actually had her doing a lot of you know a lot of those skills beforehand you know when when she throws the champagne bottle at the at the ex-boyfriend it is dead to rights dead center right in the middle of the forehead like that the that is you know dead shot accuracy you know when she's she's cooking up she's tossing the the knives around like very you know um you know like samurai style kind of thing um like there was just the mannerisms that she was able to pull off uh that were subtle enough to the point where you sit there and say okay well maybe there's there's you know there, there's an inherent talent maybe there's something in there and then the whole there's the whole scene where you know Sam Rockwell's talking to her about this energy that's there and the the whole like the, their their hands are moving together in perfect uh, parallel symmetry to each other before they start tossing knives back and forth and whatnot and there there's just something really magical about that moment and just her ability to to transition from that heartache at the beginning to that 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 stab you in the heart kind of thing at the end um it, it's a wonderful transition that she pulls off very well again i think it's you know um i don't know there's a word for it and i'm completely head stuffy but <laughs> um their relationship was karmic it was meant to be i mean he definitely completed her and 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 he was her Mr. Right. Like all of these traits that um, she was uh, exhibiting before, right? The knife play, the um, being just a little slightly off kilter. Um, and I think it was all, you know, the horrible breakup um, was all relevant. It was all so important to lead her to meet her Mr. Right. Mm. And I mean, even their progression of their relationship. I mean, obviously for the sake of the hour and a half movie. Um, however, like their first or second date, I not quite clear on the timeline, but you know, it was in a, a children's amusement park, right? I don't know if it was mini putt, but definitely they're in a, a, a children's theme park. And the fact that a, what was that sniper thinking, you know, attacking <laughs> them in in a place where obviously there's families and children around, that's just, that, that's bad. Uh, that, that's Joker level. That is evil. uncool right there. Right. The funny thing is, you know, as you're watching them through this, right. And like, he's never lying to her at all like he's you know he's saying it in a, in a in a matter of fact way that anyone who listens to it the way he says it's like oh you're joking yeah you didn't really go out and kill someone in the parking lot no no i get it right but at no point did he ever lie to her about it and it's one of those things where as you know she's it's almost like as she's watching him um try to come in and protect her from from the everyone that's 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 now starting to descend upon them it's like she's all of a sudden realized that no here's a guy here's a guy that never lied to me was open whether i believed him or not that that's secondary to it you know and you know cares enough to to put himself in harm's way in order to protect me like like it's it's you know this this is beyond me cute this is 
a, a strangely devoted guy and you know a very lost girl who's all of a sudden starting to to find her way through the most insane of circumstances um it's kind of a sweet movie even though they're killing people all I can say is thank God you're not a hitman because, you know, he really brings his work home with him at the end of the day. And I, I don't know how I'd feel about dragging, you know, bloodied bodies through our through our apartment. So she really handled it with style. I think there. <laughs> I, I can't kill. I can't dance. And I don't even have a clown nose anywhere in the house. So I, I am I am over three on this one here. Um, let's, let's talk about Tim Roth here. And this is not the first time we've talked about Tim Roth on the show because of course he was in four rooms by all, by the by, you know, if you happen to be, you know, listening to this podcast and you want to hear us talk about Tim Roth and just, you know, expound lovingly on what he can do on screen, go listen to that episode. So now we're going to expound lovingly about what he can do on screen in this movie. Um, there is... As I was watching his character, and I re- I recognize the motivation for for his character is different from the reference I'm about to bring up, but it reminded me a little bit of Willem Dafoe in Boondock Saints. In that, with Boondock Saints and Willem Dafoe, here was a cop who was chasing down these two guys yet at the same time admiring what they were doing and almost actually agreeing with their philosophy. In Tim Roth, in this movie, you had someone who actually trained Francis in, 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 you know, in how to kill and being as good as he is. Uh, and even though it's his job to kind of bring him in and bring him back into the fold, there's still an admiration and a respect out of it. So it's not like he's going in, you know, like, I'm going, I'm here to kill you now. No, no, he's here to bring him back into the fold, respecting everything that he does and everything that he knows and ev- and everything that he can do. Uh, there, there's, there's a really cool parallel there, even though they are two very different genre films. You know what I loved about um, Tim Roth is how he can change his his voice his accent um to suit different characters Mm -hmm. i think he's absolutely brilliant and that was um something that i've read about him in the past that um that was kind of almost his coping strategy as a child growing up in school i think his family moved a lot and um he picked up different dialects of accent very quickly um and i think that was more to you know, get along at a new school. And so that's the trait that has definitely suited him well uh, in his acting career. He's just so great. And P.S. Love the little uh, tip of the hat to his character, um, Mr. Orange, where he puts on the ring um, as he's getting ready to uh, to go undercover as the CIA op. So um, that was that was a nice little add on that I kind of giggled when I saw him. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing too. Like, if you take a look at Tim Roth's filmography, there are there are there was a list of amazing films in there. And the and the funny thing is, you know, if you're just gauging someone's filmography based on the critic score, you know, or on the tomo- you know the tomatometer, if you will. Um, don't sleep on this film like and and he he is the perfect guy for that role because it is it's it's not uh this isn't a vendetta this isn't a, a you know a, a a manhunt this is this is someone who's sent out to bring home someone um you know back into the fold the i think what really 
you know, as we rewatch this, uh, and I had completely forgotten about this scene too. It's when they, the, they try to track him down in the hotel and, you know, Tim Roth's about to go out there with the, with the four guys and, you know, and, and track him down and, you know, just there, the way they're preparing for it and they're getting all like, you know, macho alpha male kind of hyped up and he's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Um, no, he, he's just, he's going to eat you alive. You know, and he's just, you know, kind of watching everything in the truck, all the signals as they go dark and whatnot. It's just such a, you know, a fascinating case. He's like, yep, no, I, I know you're going to go get killed and I don't want any part of this. So you go in there, you go in there by yourself and I'm just going to sit here and, you know, call play by play. I uh, love the scripting, though. It was exactly what you would picture of ta- like Tim Roth's um, inner dialogue coming out um, where the, the female of the group was killed and he's like oh too bad i liked her mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like right mm-hmm. like it was just so perfect uh, i think and you know what not just tim roth's dialogue but the um dialogue the connection between the two main characters as well in their in their courtship um yeah kudos to the writing team on this movie mm-hmm Let's talk about Sophie here, uh, Anna Kendrick's friend in the film, uh, played by Kate Nara. Um, this this one surprised me because uh, she has not acted since this movie. Right. What's up with that? She right? was so great. Like, I could see her as being very similar to... Um, Oh God, sorry, I've gone blank. I could see her being very similar to uh, Cameron Diaz, mm-hmm. and I, like I thought she was wonderful. I would love to see her in more movies. So there you go, Katie Nara. Like, get, get back to acting. You were awesome, mother. But it, it's funny too because, like, you know, at the start of the film, because of course uh, Anna Kendrick is dealing with the heartache and you know booze in the closet kind of level, and you know it's almost like there's a reluctant. Uh, need to take care of you know you know when you know someone's uh, just you know they're just in self-destructive mode and you're like ah, you're being such a such an ass but I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to go clean you up and probably hold your hair over the toilet bowl or something like that uh, and then of course the transition you know as 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 Martha is starting to realize that no no I, w- I want to I want to kill people I want to, I want to do this I want to be with him kind of thing it, it goes from like I oh I have to take care of you to oh what the f- are you doing now like just th- this almost like reluctant best friend to this manic ball of energy that is Martha in this now was she legitimately a best friend or was she the roommate and then the other redheaded actress. I'm sorry, I don't know her name, but she was kind of the best friend. See, no, I, th- I think the I think the redhead, uh, like you know, the one where it's you know, because because Sophie's like, you know, it's okay, just don't don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So so it's almost like the redhead was Sophie's friend, and it's like ah, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, you have to watch, kind of deal with this. But no, like it's almost like Sophie is, you know, designated best friend of the time. You know, designated the. Uh, you know the, the 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 drunk watch, if you will, because it was just so much fun to watch her this, and really just you know as, as the crazy is going on, just the the what the f- like seriously, it's such a such a I I don't know why I really don't know why she isn't acting anymore, and I don't know if it's a personal choice, I don't know if the the, the roles didn't show up, but but 
trust me when I say you watch this and you sit there and go, yes, I would like to see her in more films. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Let's get to let's get to the bodies, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> and we got to start with Steve uh, as played by Riza. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that that that's how it's pronounced. Uh, if it's R Z A, um, no Riza. We'll we'll go with Riza for now. Um, I I just love the fact that he feels like almost like a Craigslist contractor for mafia guys, and it's it's funny because he's the only one who ever gets the drop on Francis, and I think it's because he really just is completely out of the fucks to give <laughs> as far as yeah I'm here for a job it, it's uh, you know five bucks is five bucks right kind of I loved I loved the scene where he could have off Francis and he's like man I like you more than I like them right <laughs> like, like with his Elmer Fudd gun. He, He's so the hired hand in this, and it's 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 literally like, yeah, this is a paycheck. This is literally a paycheck, and but but you're you actually talk to me like I'm, you know, and that's the funny thing too. That's you know that scene and that connection doesn't work if if Riza doesn't you know pull this off as very much an uh, an apathetic, obstinate kind of you know contractor. And if Sam Rockwell isn't, it's just like infectious, infectiously, you know, lovable in this film. Totally charismatic. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, even when he showed up at the woman's um, apartment, right? Right at the the first main scene, his first, um, I don't know if it was a turnaround kill or, but anyway, the concept is, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to spoil it up for you, but you know, he was hired, Francis was hired to kill this woman's husband. He was supposed to go somewhere else, um, I don't know, another state, go and kill her husband and do the job. But his moral code um, made him have a turnabout and he turned up at the woman's apartment and said murder is wrong and then proceeded to kill her. Um, that, That scene... Right. Even when he's talking with her and he's like, remember, you you asked me to go kill your husband. Well, I'm here, you know, and murder's wrong. Like just as he's explaining his motives, he is just so damn likable, even though, you know, he's going to kill her. Uh He's so likable in it. And I think that was his connection with Steve, um, obviously with Martha. And I think, too, that's why Hopper you know, in the end, he, he could have, you know, he could have ended Francis, but he didn't want to, like he wanted to, but he didn't, you know, I, I'm going to flash back to something I said earlier, uh, when it comes to Riza. Okay. And, and let, let's see if you, if you agree with me on this one, I said earlier in the show that there was only one person out of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie that I would recast. Um, it's Moss Def as for a prefect in that film i he's just was not a good fort prefect like everyone else nailed the role everyone else got it um however if you put rizza in the role of fort prefect Hmm. in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and and again this is nothing against moss def i just think that rizza would have been a better fit for like what he did in mr right that would work well, I think, for Fort Prefect. I always wanted to see Don Cheadle in that role. Oh, that would be good too. Yeah. Oh, Don Cheadle would be so much fun. But like not not War Machine Don Cheadle, 
but like crazy hopped up on Molly in Space Jam 2 Don Cheeto. Like that one. That's the one that needs to be in Ford Prefect. Um, let's talk about um Vaughn and Richie. Uh the the brothers. They're the 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 the, the guys running the the crime scene on this one. Uh gonna start with Richie, uh, as played by Anson Mount, which is kind of funny because um I'm about to spoil something here, by the way. So if you, Don't do if, it. if you have not seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, take your headphones off of your ear for the next two uh, a minute, but a minute, uh, and just go la 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 for one minute. Okay, ready and go. So Anson Mount, of course, returned in Doctor Strange as Black Bolt. Uh, didn't last long. So sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, oh. now now you can come back from going la 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 la. <laughs> um, but I really liked Anson Mount as okay. Let let's call it, call it like it is here. The Inhumans TV show was the only time Marvel ever made a massive misstep. It's a steaming pile, but it's not Anson Mount's fault because Anson Mount was actually a very good Black Bolt. Um, here. It's it's funny because he, he kind of goes to that opposite side. A he talks, but B it's like he's really good as this this crime boss who's trying to mentally deal with his anger issues. And it's just there's the, there's the play back and forth between him and Bruce where it's like, yep, no, no, I'm just <sighs> control, control, control. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit someone. I'm not gonna hit someone. Like it's just fascinating. Like I I, I almost want more of Richie's story. To, to find out why he's at this point where he's trying to control his anger issues. <laughs> well, I mean, his brother is clearly has a chip on his shoulders and, and quite angry. So you almost have to wonder their dynamic growing up. You're thinking Vaughn is the reason why Richie has anger issues, don't you? <laughs> I'm starting to think that. I'm I'm starting to wonder because because it is it because of course it's a family dynamic. Of course, you know they're like, yeah, we gotta tell dad, don't tell dad, right? Like it's it's too you know battling brothers kind of thing. But Richie, of course, is the you know the one kind of running things, and Vaughn is the one who thinks he's the, should be the one running things. Uh, Vaughn, of course, is played by James Ransom, and I actually really liked him in this role too. Like the the playoff between Vaughn and Richie like it it works so well in this because it, it creates that other that other level of dynamic and dysfunction on the baddie side of things I have to say I loved loved the disclosure uh when Francis was like you wanted me to kill your brother right so yeah here's the gun not gonna do it have a nice day <laughs> like like oh my god like absolutely Perfect. I think it was completely, you know, in his um, in his character to do so. And really, all he wanted was his girl. Mm-hmm. I, I I need to do a few a future. Uh, I like to kind of like manifest things as I as I watch these movies and go, oh, I could see this person here and this person here, kind of like fan casting, if you will, or future sequels. Which, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest a future sequel for Mr. Wright uh, a little bit later on, but. Can you imagine? Because I know they are planning on remaking The Crow. And The Crow is, you know, just just an iconic film, right? That, that, that first Crow movie. The sequels, not so much. But the first Crow movie with Brandon Lee, such a, such a great film. But if you remember, like, the, the, the long-haired bad guy, the one with the sword and all that, can you imagine Anson Mount in that role for a, a Crow remake? Oh, that would be great. Right? Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. 
I I have to full disclaimer on this one, and I'm going to flash back to another episode that we did. Uh, we did an episode on the movie Be Cool a while back, um, one of our earlier episodes, actually. There's a character in this movie, Johnny Moon. I could not hear him say his own name, which, by the way, he would reference himself in the third person, like, continuously through this film. I could not hear him say Johnny Moon without hearing Steven Tyler's voice in my head going, Linda Moon! Like, seriously. And now you're hearing it yourself, too. Like, (laughs) Johnny Moon! Yeah, no. But Michael Eklund, like, really played this well. Like, you know, here's a guy who's just like, you know, the the, the crazy, right? If, If Vaughn is you know like the the aspirational um you know younger brother who's trying to usurp power from his older brother and here's like the the crazy you have to think right like when the cameras aren't rolling like like johnny moon is sitting there going no man no no you could you run this business you know you can you know you better than richie you know you better than richie i know you better than richie johnny moon knows you better than richie like oh i just felt like i sounded like vince vaughn there out of be cool for a second but you have to think like johnny moon is probably that that little i i'm just picturing like the 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 little dog that walks beside the big dog in the old looney tunes cartoon it's like you can get him you can get him yeah you're so big you're so tough yeah you can get him kind of thing it's it's he's that kind of character (laughs) and i can't believe i just made a looney tunes reference to a sam rockwell and anna kendrick film but here we are today um but it it was he was a ton of fun uh as far as the directing goes like i as much as i was surprised that katie nara hasn't acted since this film i'm surprised at how little uh, as far as you know uh theatrical release movies go uh the pa- uh, paco cabezas has not directed more theatrical release films I, I wonder because this is a fun well-paced well-shot um well-directed film like i i don't understand why some of these these directors who have you know proven that they can do a damn good job why they're not doing more movies and maybe it's just because tv's uh you know an easier project jump in just go in direct one episode uh of a series and then go on to another one kind of thing um because a movie is a much longer process than going in and doing you know maybe a week's worth of shooting for for one episode i mean i don't know Right, I really don't know, but I think I read that they shot this in seven weeks. Yeah, which to me seems really quick. I mean, considering, you know, especially at the end, I'm sure there's a lot of choreography that had to be choreography and a whole lot of rain from the rain machine because you know, (laughs) you know, they had like you know the overhead rain machine like set to full kind of thing um because it, it did it felt a little flash dancey to me at the end i'm not gonna lie what was strange <laughs> is like the scene same day right same mm-hmm. hour when uh francis was outside speaking with steve and it was like bright and sunny and then it's pouring rain by the time hopper shows up right so, it eh? was of the eight million dollar budget one million dollars alone was spent on water for that one fight scene that's that, that's I'm, I'm putting it out there maybe they broke a sprinkler Maybe maybe yeah. it was maybe it was a sprinkler instead of a instead of rain. I don't know. It's it, weird. It, it was you know a, a, an absurd amount of rain from the rain machine because it's not even like it was dark out. Like if if you go back and watch, I think it's like the first Lethal Weapon film, and there's the you know there's the big fight at the end with Mel Gibson and like you know the the, the main baddie on the 
you know, on the lawn of Danny Glover's house and there's like literally a torrential downpour of rain. It's like, yeah, you, you, you went a little bit much on the rain and same thing here. Like, it's like, no, no, we're going to have the fight in the rain all the rain we're gonna spend all the rain on this like like ah. but it was even coming into the house like anna kendrick was in the house yeah and like there's water coming through so that kind of made me think it was a sprinkler or some kind of like water main that broke it it, it did it felt a little like like almost like i, I wonder if there's a deleted scene where it explains why there's so much water coming down um but as far as the production goes for this one, we got to talk about the soundtrack. This soundtrack is stupid, catchy, and boppy. Like, if you're not tapping your toes while you're watching this film, you clearly have the sound off. Because it's, I mean, it's, not, it's not an iconic soundtrack. Like, I, as I went through the listings, I, I, I think I only recognized, like, Megan Trainer as far as uh, artists on the soundtrack. But there's, there's some bops on this one. The songs that they chose for scenes was brilliant. Like even in the um, convention center where they were setting up for the wedding. Um, well, what was the song that they played? Do you remember? Oh, I can't even remember. But it, anyway, it was absolutely perfect. The editing for mm-hmm. it um, as they're losing each one of the guys was it was so good. There was obviously a lot of thought put into this as far as you know, music and visuals meshing together as far as the action and the choreography goes. It was almost, almost Baby Driver-esque in that the music itself is a character in the film. Not not as much as Baby Driver, but it definitely helps drive the bus on a lot of the scenes and really justifies uh, the lightness of Sam Rockwell's performance through this, the fact that he's dancing through the whole thing. We talked a little bit earlier about like at the beginning of the film about not understanding why the critics only gave this a 44% on the tomatometer but i have an idea if i if i may moot an idea with you moot away moot away <laughs> um something about this film and aside from the fact that it's you know clearly one of those films that has found its life on streaming because it was only released in 35 screens um if they're getting paid per play um i can attribute to at least uh 20 by now (laughs) (laughs) sadly it's probably it's probably like spotify rates where it's like yep you have just given them 0.37 you know uh you know, hundredths of a cent kind of thing. Um, But it it does, it feels like one of those films. If this movie came out in like the, the early to mid nineties, it's, it's a blockbuster regular. Like it's one of those films that people are going to be renting on a regular basis. They're going to buy it used from the blockbuster because we got shelves of DVDs and VHS where we just bought used from the blockbuster. Uh, but it, Some still in packaging. Uh, yes, because we're the ones who are like, oh yeah, no, I got to have that. Now I have it. Now I never have time to watch it. Clearly we need more time to watch movies. You know, And now we have a movie podcast, so we can do that. Um, but it does. It, it almost feels like I wonder if this film came out in the 90s like if you were able to you know put everyone into a TARDIS and then bring them over you know David Tennant's TARDIS and then bring them into the 90s and be able to release this film then with the same cast the same soundtrack the same like the whole the the same movie 
in that 90s era where movies like Reality Bites and and Pulp Fiction are out and this film feels more like that era maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why people are watching this going well this film you know film feels about you know maybe a decade two decades too late yeah i mean that would that would be a very much younger tim ross you know no right i'm, I'm the- just saying like put them in the time machine Put them in the time machine so you have a, you know, near cryogenically frozen, you know, Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. So I'm going to say like this movie feels more like a 90s film. And maybe that's why. Maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, critics are expecting something and not expecting something that that's almost like a throwback. Uh, I remember reading like a as I was you know going through my notes and whatnot, reading a lot of people compare this to a gross point blank. Um, because of course you have uh, John Cusack as a hitman with Minnie Driver, and that's that's the funny thing. Like John Cusack and Minnie Driver in Gross Point Blank, you could argue is like you know a decade later, and it is very much Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick in this film. Um, just again separated by like what a decade or so at least. Like it does. It feels like a movie that would have been done you know, would have fared much better and probably would have been a, a wider theatrical release had it been released in the nineties. All I can say is missed opportunity because apparently this movie um debuted at the tr- at the TIFF. Um Really? It was, it, yeah, it was it was apparently on the ending day. Um so it was like a closing movie. And all I can think is if I had known now how much I absolutely love this movie and if I had been there, oh, to have been a fly on the wall and to see the reception when it's first released, I think that would have been cool because keep in mind, I, I think um, I only found this movie again. It was like a Netflix, you know, uh, trending now. And I was like, what is this movie? I, I'm sick and I want something funny to watch. Yeah. That's literally, I think, how it went. That's right? exactly it. Like, like it's almost like you take the, the the voice remote control going. I'm sick. Give me something fun, and this is the movie that should pop up. I'm surprised that it that it was at TIFF. I I don't see this as a as a festival film, but I like I like this as a last day of a festival film because you want to end on something fun and light and you know as, as much of a bop as it is. And that's I think that's the key thing. Right. If you want something where you're going to watch actors look like they're having fun through the making of the film, because they did, they really did, especially Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick, they looked like they were having a ton of fun while making the film. Uh, and that, that, that conveys on screen, that conveys in those characters and why they're, they're, they're very watchable and very, you know, they're, they're just fun. They're just fun. And this movie is just fun. Like it is an hour and a half of a brain vacation. And that's always a good thing. So clearly we like the film, but it comes time though. All right. We got, we got, we got to put one above all. So Carrie, who is your MVP of Mr. Right? Oh, and I can't do a three-way tie. No, no three ways. (laughs) <laughs> it, you know what? It, it didn't work for Anna Kendrick in the beginning of the film. It's not going to work here. No three ways. Okay. You're probably uh, not going to have seen this coming. I'm going to go with um, Sophie, the roommate. Really? Katie, Katie Nera. 
you know what? If I can't, and I cannot choose between Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick, and Tim Roth, so I'm just going to go this route and give her the respect that is due. I'm going to petition for her to do more acting. Like, like, where did you go, girl? Like, we need more. <laughs> because she was so lovely. Like, she was, again, I, I could see her very much being, you know, she she had definitely a um um oh why am I so blank <laughs> because you're not feeling well that's that's okay <laughs> but I I do I'm blanking I, out I I do agree like you know her her portrayal of of Sophie in this is just there's just so much fun I I would love to see her in you know a you know, uh, a Euro trip or a road trip kind of comedy. Like I, I think that she would be, she would bring so much fun to like an ensemble comedy film. Um, so we're now going to manifest Katie Nara into an ensemble comedy film. And, you know, if you want to bring Anna Kendrick, you go right ahead. We cool with that. Um, it, you mentioned that you cannot pick between Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick and Tim Roth. I can, because my MVP is Sam Rockwell. I, 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 I deliberated on this one mentally because and I approve, right? <laughs> I, I, because I did, I, I thought for a while I was like, oh, it's, no, Anna Kendrick really stands out in this. Like she, she is a ton of fun. She's a ton of fun in every role that she takes, but there's just something about Sam Rockwell. There really is in this, like this is very much a Sam Rockwell role and you know if you think about you know seeing a seeing an actor that you like you know as far as as far as what they can do on screen the performances that they give and for them to basically give you the performance that you have mentally you know attached to this actor like yes this is how I see Sam Rockwell. This is how I like Sam Rockwell best. He's given me the most Sam Rockwell that I ever want out of a Sam Rockwell. This is my Sam Rockwell. And, you know, he he is Mr. Right in this. Like, there's, there's no question. That said, though, I want a sequel. Yes. I want a sequel. I want the Mrs. Right. I want to see Anna Kendrick step it up. No. I, I mean... Here, here is my, here is my pitch. Okay, here's my pitch. So, Max, Paco, if you guys are listening, Sam, Anna, Katie, Steve, the RZA, Tim Roth. Hi, hi. <laughs> here's my pitch. Okay, Steve is no longer a you know Craigslist contractor. He's the guy running the show. He's got his own organization and he's got a problem that he's taken care of. So Steve hires Sam and or Francis and Martha in order to do a job. Okay. But Francis still has his moral code and they get to a point in the job where someone's got to be killed in order for the mission to be complete. Now, Sam, now Francis is a big fan of Steve, like they're, they're buddy, buddy, you know, they didn't kill each other. It's all good. So it's one of the things where if he lets Steve down and doesn't kill the guy, does he then have to go kill Steve? Because Steve basically told him that in order to do this, you have to do this, right? So there's that moral dilemma. Does Francis kill for Steve or does Martha kill for Steve? Or do they? And if they choose not to, do they go back and kill Steve because Steve was the one that told them they have to kill, they have to kill somebody? 
Wow, you've really thought this out. I have. I'm I'm manifesting Mr. Right too. Like make someone make this happen. And by the way, if it does happen like that and and we're not invited to the the red carpet on all 35 screens, then I am going to stomp my feet, uh go and lock myself into a closet with a whole whack of booze for about 2 days and just don't don't make eye contact with me. I call, I call that a Tuesday. Uh, oh, okay. Um, it, it was one month of Tuesdays and you had to bring it up. Okay. You know what? I see it differently and you've really thought out, you know, more of a plot, but I want the movie to be titled Mrs. Wright. I want to see Anna Kendrick as I want to see more, you know, unhinged off the chain, like, crazy Anna Kendrick. I want to see something. I, I want to see something awful. Um, <laughs> I, I want, and I did the dinosaur arms too, by the way. Um, I want to see like something bad happen, not to Francis, but I want to see him in a bad situation where, you know, she has to step up and, and go full and T-Rex. save him. Right? Like she becomes his, um, I don't know, like she saves him and, and then they get married and live happily ever after. And, um, oh, yeah, you have to think they're already like something happens to Francis on, you know, like leading up to their wedding day and she ain't going to have it because it, then it's almost like the, the, the worst bridezilla possible. Like, right. you, you did this to my fiance. I'm going to make you pay. Right. And See? I just flash back to like Sonic 2, you know, with the bridezilla there. But, right. Um, you know what? That would be so great. That would be so, so incredible that, you know, I, I think she needs to save him. And kind of she did, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was very much mutual and they set it up nicely. Well, at, see, see, at the he, end scene, where's the girl? He saved her in the first one by by helping show her uh, what she has inside and her abilities, and you know that 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 inherent talent that, and basically dragging that out of her. Now it's time for her to save him, and I and I, you know what? If either of those movies get made, I'm all for it. Like, cause Mr. Right to should happen spend the eight million it's all good you know i netflix i know you're having some issues you might want to like you know listen to this podcast and say hmm, that's a very good idea we should we should do that hmm, just send them send them a t-shirt they'll be fine they'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> just start writing the checks make it right make it happen <laughs> right you can send all checks too <laughs> it's not that bad dot pod at gmail dot no uh, uh, okay but you can find us on twitter at not that bad cast uh but so by the way if you want to play along and there's a movie that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is so bad that there's no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it. Hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast. Uh, we will watch it. We will dissect it. And we will find the good things to say in these poorly rated gems of films. Carrie, thank you so much for fighting through not feeling 100% and and toughing it through and, and, and basically defending your sicky movie. To our listeners, thank you so much wherever you are listening to us, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, Good Pods, however you listen to your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is It's Not That Bad. Until next time, I'm Jay. She's Carrie. Take care. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 